Raquel Rodriguez, welcome to the Soul Gigs Radio Show. How are you? Hello, hello. I'm doing all right, I suppose. How are you guys doing? <laughs> now, I have to tell our listeners, it's very bright and early where you are in LA. So thank you so much for joining me at this um, ungodly hour. Totally. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> so, Raquel, I just want to um, do an overview, if I can, of your career and I understand that you are of LA Mexican American heritage. Yes, I am. Both my parents are uh, Mexican American. My mom was born in Central California and she has a Native American line of Mexican family and her her parents Actually, her mother, I think, was part German, so they think they actually never knew. Um, But my father's side is, he was actually born in Guadalajara, and he came over to the U.S. when he was four years old and ended up getting his citizenship when I was probably 13 or 14 years old. So both of my parents are Mexican, but I, I was born in Los Angeles, Santa Monica, and I grew up in the West Side area. So I'm, I'm very LA, even more than my parents. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's quite an unusual mix. I'm trying to think of if I know of any other artists. Um, you, you, you appear to be quite unique in that sense. Totally. I know Alex Isley is born and raised Los Angeles. We actually just hung out recently and we were talking about how like the high schools we went to and like just our different experiences in LA growing up. Okay, okay. So your sound, you have quite a, a unique sound. What can you well, tell us about you. that? I know who your influences are, but can you share that with our listeners in terms of what what sort of molded you as an impressionable kid growing up in LA and, and has sort of molded your yourself as an artist to this day? Totally. So my mom was actually the, the one that kind of introduced me to music. Uh, my dad is not much of a music listener. He he loves music, but I think he loves it the most when he sees me performing. <laughs> like he he dances at every concert like a crazy person. But my mom is definitely the one that introduced me to the good music. So she she was one of those girls at her teenage years that she would hitchhike to concerts on her own like just by herself because she had to see Tower of Power and <laughs> she had to go see this band and she had to go see that band so she would she would just go by herself and I've always admired that about my mom because I think about going anywhere by myself and it's so scary like just socially I'm like oh my god who am I gonna talk to what am I gonna do by myself I love that my mom did that so as we were growing up, she would drive us to and from school and she would always have the best music playing from her speakers in the car. I'm just like, who's this, mom? Shaka Khan. Who's this, mom? Garth Brooks. Who's this? Tower of Power. Who's this? Like just every day a new dope band or artist. And I kind of thought that that was normal. So I figured everybody was listening to that kind of music with their moms in the car. But I think that the thing that I compare that to the most is just how Los Angeles is a huge melting pot of different cultures and different people and different music and different food and just a whole, it's everything's always different. You can get Mexican food here, you can get Ethiopian food here, you can get a nice bagel sandwich or pizza. 
And I feel like that's kind of how my music is. Like you can get a little bit of jazz and a little bit of funk and a little bit of soul and some R&B. It's kind of all inclusive because those are the all the genres that I grew up listening to. And I'm like, no, I have to do a little bit of that. And I have to do a little bit of that because that I love because that's just what I was taught. And at what age did you realize or did you decide in your heart that this is what I am going to pursue? I don't think that I ever decided it in one moment. I think that it was kind of always just like obvious to me that this was what I wanted to do. And I'm just like, okay, well, so now my life plan has to uh, reflect that. Where am I going to go to school? Who are my friends going to be? What are my hobbies going to be? Like all of my life, I kind of just knew music was going to be the path that I pursued. So it was, it must have started at a young age because I was singing solos in my kindergarten class for the Christmas musicals in our church. And like, I, I, I just, I always knew. How surreal was that for you to, to come over to London as you did, I believe, last year? How, how surreal was that for you to come out to the UK more than once and, and perform? Oh, man, it was something that I really, really miss and will cherish for a very long time. I think it's actually been two years exactly since we were over there for our residency at the Troubadour. Right. So we... I think it was like a little over a year ago that we did the show with you opening for PJ Morton. That's right. And I can't even tell you how often we talk about going back to Paris and London specifically. We're just like, oh, remember those shows we had? Remember that tour we had? Like, I miss it so much over there. And I feel like I just need a change of pace. I've been in my house for almost eight months already. <laughs> I just, yeah. I want to go travel again, like what we're used to. Yeah, I mean, I think your music really lends itself to the European ears. I mean, I got a lot of synths and stuff in, in your music and it's like, you know, we have a lot of artists out there and we love that type of vibe. And I think one of a number of things that has, um, you know, made the UK adopt you in the way that we have. That makes me so happy to hear because we we kind of cater to the music over there too, just because it's what we like. <laughs> I think I know that uh, Europe is is known for really, really being accepting of like the R&B music and just all soul music. Whereas over here in the States, it's a little bit different. People still like it, but they're not as a uh, they're not as easy to please. Right. They're, the music here is so particular and I think a lot of it has to do with like how cool are you how how many celebrity friends do you have <laughs> yeah yeah no definitely yeah, but... um, I mean we I think that we are quite eclectic in the, totally in, I mean I'm sure there's um parts of the states that are eclectic as too but it just seems totally like, I, I don't know I mean I've visited the states briefly but um from the experience that I hear from other artists like, for example, I'll have people tell me, like, um, even just down to simple things, I, I don't know how it is in, in LA, because, you know, the States is a big country, but um, artists will often say, for example, that, you know, London is a real melting pot, and even not just in terms of by race, but even by age, people are surprised when they come from the States and Totally. Not like a guy in his 70s <laughs> standing in the front row. <laughs> it like completely throws people. That's awesome. Crazy. So 
I would say that your breakthrough track in the UK was was Mile High. It was certainly the track that lightened me to your presence. Honestly, that's one of my favorite songs, and I feel like it's one of the most popular because it's just, I don't know what people like about it so much, but I'm really glad they do. <laughs> that track streamed over a million times now, isn't it? Or at least approaching yeah. a million times. Yeah, it's got over a million streams now, finally, and we're just like so, it's so crazy to think about that. Like, that wow, is. this song has been listened to over a million times. Yeah, that, that, is, that is truly, truly amazing. But I yeah. mean, I think your, your first release was back in 2012. Yeah. 2012, you had a self-titled EP. Oh my God, that seems like forever ago. It is almost forever ago. Yeah, so that EP was actually combination of my personal music and a school project. Okay. So I went to the University of Southern California. I went to the Thornton School of Music there. And when I was graduating, I did a Bachelor of Music in music business with an emphasis in vocal jazz. Okay. <laughs> it's a mouthful. Okay. But half of my major was dedicated to business and half of it was performance and theory and all music related items. And for my graduation, for my performance half, I had to put on a recital to perform all the things that I've been working on over the last two or three years. Okay. And then on the business side, I had a final where we had to, like a small group in my class had to put on a concert where we found our own funding, found our own bands, did all of the food and catering and just figured all the logistics out. Like we were responsible for putting on a full on concert. So I kind of combined the two and I was just like, okay, I need to do two of ma two major projects and I want to see if my classmates are down to combine them into one. So basically the concert that we put on was this huge event, but it was actually for my senior recital. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I need to release some music. So I, through, over the course of the semester, however long it was, I had these five or six songs that I was working on and I put them onto an EP and released that for the for the show that we put on. And it's so funny because we actually had Anderson Pack open for us at this recital when he was still Breezy Lovejoy. And it was so funny to think of him now because there were like 10 people there for the opening set. And now he's got all of these fans. And I'm just like, hey, remember when you opened for me? <laughs> oh, wow. This is exactly why, you know, I love to, to try to do these interviews because honestly, you know, the fans really need to hear this inside information and that in itself, oh my God, that is a, that is amazing. Not yeah. With Anderson um, opening for you, but you know, the, <laughs> that backstory of your, your first project, you know, these are things that we'd never necessarily get to, to know about. Yeah, exactly. I, I actually really, love that first EP I as a as a perfectionist and someone who is like always growing musically I listen to that EP and I'm just like oh my god it's so vanilla like we could have done so much more with this EP <laughs> but I'm actually very proud of it because I wrote all of the music and lyrics by myself I did everything by myself and that was the one and only project where I didn't have people like Sam like 
doing different verse changes or Steve Swatkins or Nigel Hall or Nate Williams or Matt Johnson. Like I didn't have help from any of musicians like that. And I feel like now my music is way more sophisticated because of all of these really dope musicians. But that first EP, like I can say that I did that by myself. Cool. And I'm really glad to hear actually that the, um, you know, when you were studying, that it was actually combined uh, with the business element of it. Because again, speaking to so many artists and many of them have regrets in terms of not really knowing the business sides of the industry and, you know, having the God-given talent, but perhaps not paying enough attention to the business side. So would you say that that's something that definitely has helped you? Totally. I don't think that I've ever like fully appreciated the, the business portion of USC because I haven't really put a lot of those practices into like 100% play. But I can compare myself to people who didn't take those classes at all. And there are a lot of things that musicians should do to get paid. And I know about a lot of them and I pursue a lot of them, but people who didn't take any of those law classes or business classes, they don't even know that there's other ways to get paid or that they're, they're missing out on money or royalties or mechanical royalties. Like they don't even know that that's a thing. So they don't know that they're missing out on something. But I sometimes I'm just like, oh man, I got to sign up for sound exchange and get those money for the, the things that we did and blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh. If I, if I never went to USC, I probably wouldn't know to look for these things or I probably wouldn't know what to ask for or I just, I feel like I have a smarter perspective when it comes to putting my music out there because, I mean, for me, that's, that's all I have and I feel like I have to protect it and that's kind of where the music business protects me is like I know I know about all the rules and regulations and whether I put them into play with my music or not is a totally different story, but it, at least I'm aware and I feel like that's a big part of everything is just being yeah. aware of what you're getting yourself into and how you can make money and how you can be successful in this business. Absolutely. And, and obviously that's great advice for any young artists that could be listening in that that side is, is so would you say that it's more important than the singing itself and it, it surely must be oh totally i mean you don't even know how many comments i get about oh you're you're so much better than the people on the radio i don't know why you're not famous yet and it's because those people have better business plans than i do right whether they're talented or more doesn't matter but they definitely had a better business plan and they they had better business people on their on their team. So it's just like not really always going to be about talent. I mean, of course it's not. We, we kind of all already know that. Yeah. But if you have people on your team that can sell your product, that's one of the most important things in the music industry, yeah. which is kind of sad because it, it should be about the music. But unfortunately, our music is a product. Yeah, no, I get that completely. So from 2012 with the self-titled EP, we fast forward to 2016 and the first of a number of EPs, which was called 310. Yep, funny. What's the meaning I of 310? The 310 or 310 is the area code of Los Angeles where I grew up in and it's probably 
the most popular area code in Los Angeles. Right. You can't actually, I don't think you can actually get a phone number anymore with 310 okay. as the area code because it's just like overwhelmed. But yeah, that it kind of just represents the specific area that I grew up in. It's definitely a West Side symbol. <laughs> <laughs> West Side. <laughs> yeah. Amazing, amazing. And, and how was you at that point in your in your career? Obviously, you'd, it'd been a while, a few years since you had dropped the um, the self-titled project. Did you have an opportunity to, to collaborate and, and come back with a different vibe? Totally. So, funny thing, I actually have a full-length album that I released in 2013 or 14. I can't oh, remember. Okay. And it's called Miss Me, but I only have it available on my Bandcamp page because for me, that that project came at a time where I had first just met Sam and it was like we had just started dating and I wanted to impress him and I'm just like, "Okay, I yeah, I'm a soul singer. And then everybody's like, yeah, you're a soul singer. I'm like, okay, well, what kind of soul should I be doing? And I I kind of asked everybody else too many questions instead of just listening to myself and doing what I thought I wanted or what I actually wanted or what I thought would sound best for me. So me and Sam worked on a full-length album with my band at the time. I I love that album. Sam produced it and we had our friend uh, Keith Armstrong mix it and then it was mastered by Joe Bosley over at Bernie Grandman. And I, I love the album, but I think looking back on it, it's a misrepresentation of the artist that I am now. It's And because it's an album, oftentimes it'll be the first thing that shows up because it's the only album that I've come out with. Everything else has been EPs. So I was just like, man, I'm going to take this down because I don't want people to go searching for Raquel Rodriguez, even now in 2020. And this album is the first thing to pop up because it doesn't sound like what I want people to know I sound like. It's a version of me that I did to please other people because I was convinced that people wanted me to be a soul singer. So I picked this very specific genre of soul and I just went for it. And some of the songs are actually some of my best songs. Like, Tell Me It's Fine and the title track, Miss Me. Like, I really, really love those songs, but they're just, they're so different from what I do now. But for the super fans and for the people that do a little bit more digging, they'll find it on my Bandcamp. You can still buy it. You can still buy the the limited edition vinyl. Like it's a yellow vinyl. It's very pretty. So it's still out there, but I kind of keep it low key because my first EP, the self-titled EP, is more representative of even me now. And then to skip over to the 310, I just feel like it's a more fluid journey than to insert the Miss Me full-length album in there. But yeah, the 310 series we released over the course, I think, of two years and maybe a little longer. That music is like the first time in my life where I'm just like, all right, you guys, I'm in it. Like, I know myself now. I know what I like. I know what I don't like. I know how to write songs the way I like to write songs. Like, I'm, I finally have settled into my groove. And I think that like, even from part one to part two, you still hear a little bit of transitioning. You still hear some growth. And then now from the 310 to Sweet Side, I'm just like, 
dude, can I even go, like, can I get better than this? Like, this is some of my favorite music we've ever done. Like, I'm so proud of this. And yeah. you always just think, like, I'm never going to be able to write a better song. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And you mentioned Sam, Sam being your, your husband. Yeah, he's actually not technically my husband, but we say he is because yeah. we've been together for 10 years now. He's your husband. He's your husband. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's my husband. Like, how, how big, that is how my big, partner. How big an influence has Sam had on your career? Oh, man. <laughs> it's funny because I always tell people it's a stupid joke. Like, it doesn't even really make that sen- that much sense, but it makes sense to me for some reason. But I always say if the artist is Raquel Rodriguez, I'm Raquel and Sam is Rodriguez because he's got my back and he's got way more letters in his name, which means he's doing way more work than I am. Like, people wouldn't know who Raquel is without Raquel Rodriguez. Yeah. And I feel exactly that way about Sam. Like, I... I don't think that I would know my sound if it weren't for Sam. And I know that that sounds so, um, like I rely on him so much. And some people might think that that's the terrible thing that I can't do music on my own. And you know what? I can't because I have accepted the fact that Sam is the better half of this project. And he's so talented and just an amazing producer and like really, really knows how to work with me specifically because I'm not going to be the easiest singer and artist to work with. I get emotional and moody yeah. and snappy and I'm just like, no, run it back. No, from that part, not the other part. I said two bars, not one bar. Like, <laughs> Just, <laughs> just kind of crazy sometimes. But he's so cool, calm and collected and just always knows how to get the best results from me and, and with any other artist that he works with. I'm just very, very grateful to be able to have him on my team because he's He's in love with music in a way that a lot of people aren't. So he just always wants to work on it. And I truly admire that about him because I feel like if he weren't around, I don't know if I would pursue music in the way that I am. Wow, that is a glowing tribute. So we, uh, Sam is definitely the band. Yep, he is in the band. He got the gig. <laughs> well, if any of the listeners uh, see the drummer, because he's musical director, producer, any other strings to Sam's bow? Sam, he plays drums, he mixes, he masters, he edits vocals. He actually started filming all a lot of my music videos. Wow. He's, he plays a little bit of keys, guitar, bass, He's one of those guys that can just do enough of everything to get the best product. Amazing, amazing. So 2018, 310 or 310, however our listeners want to describe it. Um, But this Mm -hmm. is now part two. And of course, uh, it, it contains Mile High as well. And at what point did you realize that that's, that single had sort of um, caught on in the way that it did? Honestly, I feel like I knew that as soon as we wrote the song. Like the day that we had come up with the lyrics and the main bass line and the melody, I'm just like, dude, this is going to be the best song we do. And Sam was like, I don't know, man. It's kind of like, it's kind of repetitive. Like, we'll yeah. see, we'll see. And then Nigel came and produced it. And we had a lot of fun working on it. I'm like, watch, this is going to be the song. And they're both like, I don't know. And I'm like, watch, we need to just speed it up just to BPM. Like, 
very specifically for some reason I knew that this would be the song and I'm not sure how I knew that but I feel like because I loved it so much and because I loved singing it so much and because maybe it just came so easily to me yeah. I knew that it would be like the one but then over time like people would just say I I just heard your song Mile High oh my god that song Mile High Mile High this Mile High that and I'm like okay so people are finding me because of Mile High yeah absolutely I mean I myself did and I have to say that that was all over every single like radio station for probably about 18 months it was like really like well over a year it was just that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, really heavily rotated. So, have you heard the remix yet? I, I haven't. You've got a remix as well. I need to get onto Bandcamp. Is that on there as well? Oh yeah, it it just came out on Spotify a couple weeks ago, but it's oh, actually Sam. a remix that Sam did. Oh wow! I'm gonna go. Sam is now an official artist on Spotify. He's Sammy B on there. No spaces in the name, but he did a remix of Mile High and it's so dope. You should totally check it out. I am definitely going to be playing that on the on the next show for sure. You then, in 2019, you, you dropped Sunday Best. So by this time now, you, you've had some success with the uh, with Mile High, well, some amazing success. And um, where was Raquel in, in 2019? I mean, obviously, you were touring Europe at that point as well. Yeah, so as an independent artist, kind of going back to the whole business part of what I learned at USC, I was thinking like, hey, so one of the biggest things that artists lose out on when they when they don't become successful or they don't reach the level of success that they want, it's because they lost momentum. And I never want to lose momentum. I don't ever want that to be the reason that I don't succeed. So I was in the mind frame that I'm not in a position to write a bunch of original music right now to be able to release soon, but I need something to release this year. I need a project to release this year. And I'm, I, as much as I love singing covers, I don't want people to get used to me singing covers. Like I don't want people to be able to message me and request a cover like, hey, could you do this by this artist or this song by this artist? Because I'm not, I don't pride myself as a singer. I pride myself as an artist and I want people to look at my art and listen to my art. And I love other people's art and I don't want to replicate it in a way that wasn't meant to be. Like I'm down to sing a, a cover at a show or even if I get hired for a restaurant gig and I sing only covers, that's, it's a different thing. But when my fans are coming to me to request covers, I get like, ah, my feelings get a little bit hurt. Yeah. So I figured like, there's gotta be, there's gotta be something in the middle. Like I gotta be able to put out something this year. And if it's not gonna be original music, it has to be very curated covers. Right. And I hate the word curated because it just sounds so bougie, but I thought to myself like, I pride myself on being a uh, soul singer and from Los Angeles and I especially pride myself that I'm a Mexican-American soul singer because you don't see that often yeah. and there aren't people in the Latin music industry that are leading the way or opening doors for me. There's no like Beyonce like there's for Chloe and Hallie and there's yeah. no there's no there's no one for me to kind of latch onto and and follow their path so I'm kind of just figuring it out on my own. Yeah, you're blazing, and I just, you're blazing your own trail, basically. 
Yeah, and I, I really pride myself on that. And I think that I just was like, okay, what what kind of music represents that? And the first thing I thought of was like all the lowrider classics that my brother and I used to listen to driving down PCH in his 1964 Super Sport Impala. Like those, those songs specifically, because that is Mexican culture. Like I'm doing this for my fans and the people that actually listen to me and the people that listen to me, especially in Los Angeles, they're going to be part of the Latin community. And I love that because I feel like a lot of Latinos in the Latinx community, they they support so hard, especially when it's one of their own. Right. And I was just like, all right, I'm doing this for them. I don't care about like pleasing my whole fan base. Like I'm doing this for a specific group of people because I know that they they'll keep my momentum going and I know that they'll appreciate that I'm putting something out. And at the time I was I had just met this new guy in my life. And he's a dope singer. I went to a couple of shows of his and I was like listening to him. And I'm like, damn, this dude is dope. And I invited him over to come hang out with me and Sam and just kind of catch his vibe. And he's like, yeah, I'm Mexican. I grew up in Visalia. And I'm like, dude, you grew up in Visalia. My mom grew up there. Like, oh my God, do we know the same people? And turns out a lot of his cousins and my cousins and aunts and uncles, it's a it's a small world in the middle of California. So they definitely knew of each other. And we we're like, this is so crazy. Like, how have we never met? You're a Mexican soul singer. I'm a Mexican soul singer. <laughs> so I invited him on to do this project with me. I'm like, hey, so I have this idea and I think that you'd be the perfect person to do this with me with because you've got a ton of fans and you actually are a cover artist. So it might make sense for you. So we picked five of these songs, these lowrider tunes. We did Bloodstone. We did um, Always and Forever. <laughs> and just a, a bunch of like some of my favorite songs from that era. And we didn't try to make them our own. We didn't try to change the style. We, we tried to replicate it and honor its originality. And Sam produced this as well. And it's a completely different sound than my other projects, but it's something that we're so, so proud of because we recorded it all here at Blue Dream Studios. And I swear some of it sounds like it was recorded in the same decade as these original tunes. Wow, wow. that's amazing. absolutely amazing. And, you know, I have to say that, you know, having attended uh, the Troubadour, you know, to, to watch you perform live, you gave an amazing performance and you know what I loved about your show was you just took us to different places and <laughs> everything in there there was like dance tracks as you say some old school you uh, know mm -hmm. the, the contemporary stuff and the, the end result was that there was never a dull moment and I think it was a, a short set of about 60 minutes but it just left you wanting more because you, you touched so much in that short period. Thank you. I'm, man, I miss those performances so much. I miss all performances so much, but there was something special about being in London for the first time, like just really doing full shows. And did you get, uh, can I ask, did you get nervous at the Jazz Cafe? Because obviously that was a, uh, a sold out show. It's a world renowned venue. And oh my God, you don't even you, know. When you stepped on stage, I'm pretty sure because it was like a full house at like um, probably like an hour after doors. So it was absolutely packed. How was you feeling at that moment? Oh my God, I, I'm surprised I didn't pee in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, we had so many different factors to be nervous about. Like 
One, we had just arrived to, to London a couple days before and we were still really, really jet lagged. So I was nervous as like not having the right energy. Yeah, so then that was one thing I was nervous about. And then the other thing we were really nervous about was the fact that it's PJ Morton and he's one of our favorite artists. And we're just like, oh my God, oh my God, this is actually happening. <laughs> and then the third thing we were nervous about is that we didn't, I didn't take my band over to London from yeah. uh, LA. So I had auditioned people a couple months prior to this performance. We were there in, in um, August, I believe, and we had auditioned some band members and picked a band. And we were able to have like a 30 minute, maybe 45 minute rehearsal the day before the show. And I'm like, wow, of course, our first show together with this new band of young cats that have never played my music before is our biggest show of the whole time that we're in London. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Hopefully they can hang. And they absolutely murdered the show. I remember, especially the bass player, I remember he took a quick little solo. We only did four songs. And the last song we did, he took like a 20 second solo and everybody lost their minds. And it was actually the night that we met Nate Williams, who ended up producing Nobody Else for Sweet Side. Oh, wow. Wow. That's crazy, man. I mean, yeah. I know a lot of PJ's band were sort of saying afterwards, they were like, you guys are really dope. So from the and a lot of the fans afterwards, you guys were so well received. It was, you know, I was like really happy for you guys. I was like, yes. Yeah, that was amazing. Thank you again for putting us on that show. Oh, that no was, problem. It was one absolute, of the best ones. Absolute pleasure to have you. Now, finally, your your latest project dropped this year, 2020, Sweet yep. World A. Tell us a bit more yep. about that. Uh, I think the lead single is, is Cry Baby off of that. Yeah, so Sweet Side was actually supposed to be a full-length album. We had all of these plans scheduled and we had a whole festival tour and European tour and US tour and all these shows planned. And then of course COVID hit and it changed everything. Yeah. So I ended up splitting the album into two halves because I know that this year people are a little bit preoccupied with everything else going on. I didn't want my music to get lost in the mix because I've I've worked on it so hard and so long, but I also just feel like it's too good to just get swept under the rug because people just didn't have the mental capacity to absorb it. Right. So I figured like, well, let's... Let's just release it a lot slower than we had planned. Like all of the shows that we had scheduled for this year, they're being postponed until next year. So we're gonna have to drag it out as long as we can. And we picked the first six songs. We're like, okay, these six songs make the most sense. And I've been live streaming every week called The Sweet Side Show. It's just an hour long live stream. And before we released anything, I had bring all the songs on there. So the first six ones were the ones that I had been playing the most. People had kind of already started hearing them. So we released those six and we're kind of all just planning and scheming like, all right. So kind of just read in the room. What, what do you guys think is the, the plan for side B? Because when side B comes out, it's not going to be Sweet Side A and Sweet Side B. It's just going to be Sweet Side the album. Right. So when the next six songs come out, I'll have a double vinyl. I'll have like Sweet Side the album finally out. It's just 
a way different plan than what we had originally came up with. Amazing, amazing. Well, listen, Raquel Rodriguez, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I'm sure the climate, how's the weather where you guys are? Tell me it's nice and hot and sunny. Oh my God, I don't mean to rub it in, but it's absolutely <laughs> perfect over here. I'm sitting outside enjoying my coffee in the uh, sun and it's just like absolutely beautiful. It's just starting to get really cold in the UK. So yeah, that's going to make our listeners feel really Oh good. man. <laughs> And they're not even able to travel right now, <laughs> self-included. So. I know. Well, I'm trying to send you some sunshine, so. Yeah, that's, that's the way it goes. So where can everyone find you, Raquel, and, and keep up with, with what you're doing? What's the best platforms to engage with you on? So if you want to just follow me online, the easiest is my website. It's just Raquel.LA, R-A-Q-U-E-L.LA. We've got all of our information there. I list whenever we're going to do some live streams. I put music links on there and all the video links. So everything is kind of just centered around my website. So definitely Raquel.LA. Brilliant. Now, uh, our conversation has gone on slightly longer than I expected. I hope I didn't keep you, but it's been absolutely fascinating speaking with you. I love your music. Big fan. Oh, same. Thank you. I'm sure you're going to continue to do very well and when this pandemic is over um, i look forward to hopefully collaborating with you in 2021 absolutely thank you so much simon it's really good to hear from you i must tell you as well i I was absolutely um infused by your dad when he came to london (laughs) for for our listeners that couldn't see let me tell you Raquel's dad has got some moves, let me tell you. <laughs> he, he was like a he was like a Jamiroquai. He was amazing. <laughs> I told you he doesn't listen to music, but he sure can move to it. Wow! So do pass on uh, my regards to your mom and uh, as well, mom and dad. I will. And Sam, will. of course, Sam, of course, as well, Sam the man. Of course. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I look forward to speaking to you soon. Totally. Have a good one. Have a, have a great day. Bye-bye. See you.